but also I just feel like it's important to live life. I mean, you can't, I can't just spend my whole, <laughs> all day long, like writing songs. I would have nothing to write about. Hello and welcome back to the EarFuel podcast. As always, I'm Joel Freemark, and you can follow me on Twitter at, at @getearfuel and at the Daily Guru. The podcast is always available in the iTunes and Google Play stores under EarFuel and at getearfuel.com. What you heard at the top there was a clip from my chat with Jessica Risker. Fronting a few different musical projects, as well as writing everything from almost haunting, wonderfully airy pieces to lullabies, there doesn't seem to be any limit to her creativity. Her most recent album is called I See You Among the Stars. So let's get to know Jessica Risker. My fever, I want you, baby. Won't you come Perfect. Yeah. When uh, when they said, hey, can you do like 1030 East Coast time? I said, actually, that's kind of perfect because uh, as I listen to the record, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a bit more of a nighttime kind of slightly darker feel. So I was like, I feel like this is the ambience would actually be the perfect time to do that. So good. Yeah. I wanted it to be kind of a rainy day. Vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so is that, um, something you generally like to do with your music is craft songs and kind of that spirit or mood? I think, uh, I, yeah, I think I tend towards the melancholy. I also tend to write at night and kind of in the dark, so it probably comes out of that space as well. Uh huh. Um, and and is that how it's been kind of your, since you started writing lyrics? It's always been kind of that same idea. Well, it kind of depends. I mean, I have kind of two directions for my music. One is kind of more experimental and raucous, and the other is more personal and folky and confessional. So I think. I think the more confessional stuff tends to be more maybe personally cathartic, getting some stuff out that often is kind of melancholy. Sure, sure. So so where does your record of lullabies fall on the raucous versus <laughs> the personal? Yeah. That was uh that was inspired by my brother having a baby. Uh-huh. And I always wanted to I mean, ultimately I just think of them as little tiny classical snippets that we're just kind of very simple and I wanted to make a present for my brother and his wife and the new baby. And when I started performing them out, people really liked them. And so, you know, I, I figured out a way to record them and, and put them out there. And it's been, people have like really have liked it a lot. So that's been, that's been great. So yeah, I don't know where that one came from. I guess it, I guess that one's more about the uh, pure, songwriting rather than playing with sounds and noises and things Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that that's definitely something that runs throughout the records is is i hear a lot of you know probably found audio things like that um is that something kind of you fell in love with at an early age or was that more as you dug into psychedelic you found ways to weave in these different elements i uh i think no i think that it kind of i would sort of set these parameters for recording certain things and sort of the the parameters would be like things that inspire me within, you know, the month I was making like an EP or something would all kind of feed into it. And so they might include song ideas, but it also might include sound snippets or the titles might be something that I saw on the way to, you know, on a bus ride or something like that. So it became like a collage approach in a a way. Mm -hmm. 
so the, these are all all of the records that you do are very in in the moment they you don't you don't sit on these songs for very long no uh i definitely sit on some songs for a really long time <laughs> uh it kind of depends on like some of my deadbeat uh deadbeat side of things that are more experimental and psychedelic they've they've had those parameters but some of the other songs i'll let marinate a little bit and try them out when when you're writing where do you realize whether you know this is just going to be one for you or this is going to go to deadbeat you know or or is it like when you sit down to write you know who you're writing for so to speak i kind of know it's either very different moods so it's it's whether i want to get kind of crazy with sounds and playing with playing with the uh, audio sequencer or if i just kind of want to i don't know get folky and pull out a guitar and just kind of play with the simplicity of that Uh and when when did you start playing I started playing guitar in high school. I uh, that's when all the tabs started coming out online. Sure. Oh yeah, and all of a sudden we could play everything. Yeah, so I would just get you know I would just print them off. And when I was in college, we had you know I I took full advantage of the print as much as you want. Have these huge binders full of tabs, and yeah. I would just try to play my you know the songs that I liked and picked it up that way. When did you start leaning towards psychedelic? Because, you know, the, the psychedelic sound isn't something a lot of people, you might grow up, you know, your dad might be a deadhead or something like that. But really, yeah. you know, kind of getting into as complex a layer and texture is usually not something that happens, you know, to a high school kid. So when when did you kind of start <laughs> digging in deep? I don't know. I don't think I think of it that way. I mean, I was definitely exposed to a lot of music through my parents and just my own interests. Uh so I think I had I had access to a lot of different ideas, um, but I when I tend to think of adding a psychedelic element to my music, it tends to be kind of um, I'm kind of thinking of it being kind of spacey, kind of putting you in this spacey I, I don't know zone that I think psychedelic is another word for it. I, I think I'm just drawn to it, I guess. Yeah, I think I think when people put the label of psychedelic on things, it it's a bit restricting, even though kind of psychedelic is all about just getting kind of as experimental and out there as possible. It's 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 weird that 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 it, it does have that restrictive tone to it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just just me, me thinking out loud. So with, with the new record, uh, did these songs come together quickly? Did they kind of fit together, you know, as you're writing, like, okay, this is going to go with this, you know, wh- wh- how, how quickly did this happen? Yeah, uh, I would say it happened over, the songs are written over the course of about three months, and they're pretty much on the album in the order that they were written. So it was definitely, I was definitely intentionally setting out to write an album, and then I sort of chose for the most part, um, you know, the direction I wanted the next song to go based on the song before it Okay. Uh, to kind of round out how I felt would best, you know, my attempts to best round out the album. And, um, yeah. So, so then when did you know you were done? Like where, where did you have that kind of catharsis or just feeling like nothing can follow that? (laughs) Well, I, I don't even know that I would, I feel that it's done now. There's, um, there's things I would change or improve on it, which I think is always the case (laughs) with any of my albums, but, uh, or the way I feel about them anyway. But you know, the, the short answer is that I was going for a certain time length. Okay. Um, So it was kind of like, I know I wanted to make half an hour. I liked the balance of four songs on each side of the record. 
Um, and so I was kind of aiming for that. Yeah. Yeah. And so many of these, I hate to use the word, but I'm going to use it cause it's the right <laughs> word. Um, have kind of a vintagey feel to them. Um, mm-hmm. When you're when you're crafting that, do you do you put a lot of time into after you've kind of laid down the guitar and the vocals into putting everything else together there? That I mean, that those pieces I worked with Joshua Wentz, who's a longtime um, collaborator of mine, and you know I knew that I wanted the album to be, I wanted very a sort of very subtle, spacey bed for the songs. I wanted. When you heard them, I wanted you to come away with, you know, that's a that's a guitar album, that's a singer-songwriter album, but that it wouldn't just be singing a guitar, that there would be these kind of, these very subtle touches of uh, different sounds and distortions and, and spaciness. And so he and I worked, we would just play the songs together and kind of, uh, you know, we would start out heavy and then we would just scale way, way, way back on making things as... I don't think delicate's the right word, but just as supportive as possible. Um, just to add that kind of, I don't know, kind of put, I guess, put our own spin on what I might think of folk music being. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got, it's got a very unique mood to it. It's, it's not, it's not delicate. And I, I, I'm not sure what the right word is because it's, it is a very strong uh, setting, you know, at one point I said, you know, it, it feels like I'm standing in the middle of a desolate dead forest in a good way because that sort of move, <laughs> right? Like, is perfect. I love it. I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, you know, and 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 you move so much on the record. It's it it goes beyond singer songwriters. Not just you and a guitar. You know, I feel like there are songs that are almost a bit of a waltz to them, and then some of them <laughs> you get, you know, these wonderfully eerie keyboard lines on it. Um, I think I wrote at one point, I said, this is the perfect record for the month of October. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Although here it is, you know, April and I love the record <laughs> just the same. So, you know, don't have to just pull it out <laughs> once a year. I'm glad you, I mean, I'm glad you said that. I, it definitely was meant to be a certain, it's a mood album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that, that's the kind of tone I wanted. It was kind of a rainy day. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm glad that you said that because I feel like maybe it, it captured a little bit what we were going for. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely got that. It's, it's, it's kind of almost a companion to a rainy day. So you have this project, you have, you know, you have, you have deadbeat. Are you basically constantly writing all of the time? No, not at all. Uh, I'll definitely, I mean, I, I have kind of a um, threshold for when I've gone long enough without writing where I get super antsy mm-hmm. and time to write more, but I, I don't write all the time, um, but I'll make, you know, I'll, de- I'll make space to really focus on something. It can be very draining uh, in a lot of ways. It's good. It's very satisfying. But also I just feel like it's important to live life. I mean, you can't, I can't just spend my whole, <laughs> all day long, like writing songs. I would have nothing to write about. Exactly. Yeah. If you don't go out and have new experiences, what are you going to write about? Yeah. So I feel like you've got to like try to balance that. Um at least that's what I, I try to do. So. And when you're in the writing process, do you start with lyrics? Does it start with a melody? Uh, the best, I think the best moments, they'll come together. There'll be like a snippet of a, a, a melody and the words kind of accompany it. And hopefully it's, you know, generally it's, it's a long enough piece that that's my starting point and then things will build around it. And you just kind of let it spiral and build how it wants. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like, just let it percolate and, and develop and play with it and listen back to it. And, 
and kind of shape it, I guess, bring it into focus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have favorite songs on this record yet? Yeah, I, uh, I like cut my hair. I, um, just like the, I, I just like that kind of finger picking style. Yeah. I like summer mind because it really puts me in the space of what that song's about. And, um, and I think the last song too, also, and that also makes me think of kind of an October rainy day of, uh, um, help me, help me just has a nice mood to it that I, I felt really good about the way that one came out. And, and lyrically cut my hair seems to take a bit of a more, um, I don't know, uh, aggressive or adversarial tone than some of the other songs. Um, is that is that a very much a personal experience? Yeah, I think that I've had that experience. It feels like it, it feels to me like a something that a lot of us, you know, experience. Where you do something that's in the grand scheme of things, kind of a small personal change that you make, and you kind of hope someone notices or that they're paying attention, and then it's it's kind of meaningful to you when they don't, even if it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, like, like when you get a haircut, you know? So I think there was something about it, but that song is just kind of more, I think a pastiche of a variety of memories, both, both kind of good and bad in mm -hmm. that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I really like how the, the lyrics, and, and I think it's something that's become lost in a lot of writers these days that the lyrics are, they have the pattern, they have the rhythm to them and, and they're not just words that happen to accompany the melody. Are, are you very conscious of kind of where beats fall and, and just how the words actually work within the melodies? Yeah, I would, I would say that I think about that and just the, um, also the sounds of words. A lot of times if I'm working on a song and, you know, I kind of have that fuzzy sense of of lyrics or something like that. There'll be kind of a garbled version of not real English, but I can hear that there's like supposed to be an S sound here. Or there's a D sound or something. And so I'll try to stay faithful to that. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I just, it feels like they feel more natural uh, for both the sounds of the words and just, uh, I guess, the cadence. Um, so, you know, it, it was interesting that you said at the beginning that uh, you you very much wanted to write a record and you knew you wanted, you know, about 15 minutes on each side and stuff like that, where in 2018, the album, if you will, is still a bit of a a lost art. Not many people are really writing for albums. How do you how do you see the current music scene? You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I guess a lot of it is based on just my own listening style and, and my friends, um, where I do like to put on albums and just do things around the house or, or, or walk or something like that. But I also love playing singles that like, you know, just are really, really strong and great. So I, I think there's room for both. Uh, sometimes you just want like a mood to last a little while. I think I, I do anyway. So I think there's, I think there's room for both for sure. Still. And and kind of along the same lines, you know, the, things like Bandcamp and stuff like that, you know, as as a performer, how do you feel about technology and music and, and the the constant change and uh, intertwining of those two universes? I think it's great. It's I think it's really exciting. It's kind of a gold rush sorts period of time. It's also just, you know, I think that in my own um, songwriting, it's something that I'm 
definitely fluctuating between where there's just this sort of focusing on the very basics of the song type of songwriting. And then there's the, let me embrace technology and logic. I can, I can make 30 tracks with no restriction as long as my computer can handle it and stack as many sounds on top of each other. And you don't have to be restricted in these ways that, you know, more analog recording techniques might have made you slows you down a little bit and it's more limiting that can be a good thing but i think you know i think there's just a lot of really great sounds and experimentation that can come with all the possibilities that technology is allowing for you know where music could go yeah and i and i feel like this new record kind of balances them both in that it's 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 very rooted in a simple analog universe and and even some of the the background air almost uh gives it that nice analog sound and yet you know like you were saying where it's necessary there are small touches and 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 keyboards when you were creating these songs you know did you find a point where you're like okay stop we don't want to put any more on this track yeah there was definitely a lot of stripping away and the uh, a lot of it was recorded to tape so there was a lot of analog i mean that decision was both an aesthetic one so i like the um, the sound of tape and it was also when you're recording the tape it really forces performance you can't really go in and easily edit the way you can in a digital sequencer so it kind of forces more of an emotional you know performance or, uh, out of the out of what you're trying to do yeah maybe a bit more honest in a way yeah. mm-hmm, right yeah. And capture all the all the mistakes and everything. That's kind of the good stuff, I think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I love, you know, that they've released over the years, you know, certain things like, you know, the Stooges in the studio or Hendrix in the studio, and you get to hear them screwing up like all of us do. And, uh, you know, yeah. some of those screw-ups, I'm like, oh, you should have gone with that take. It was so cool. Yeah, so. I think some of the, you know, even in live shows when bands mess up, sometimes those are the happiest moments of the night. Everyone cheers. And it's like, you know, we all kind of respond to that stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's the kind of the way, it's the way forward sometimes is, oh, okay, so hey, you know what would be cool is, last night that change we did wasn't expected, but I think the song's better that way. Oh, absolutely. I, I love coming up with stuff that, <laughs> you know, surprises me. That's that's where the best things happen, I think. And, and is that one of the things that keeps you kind of doing so many different projects is, is kind of seeing what else is out there? Yeah, I mean... Just, yeah, I guess kind of this exploration and a personal, I mean, it can be, it can definitely be very difficult. I don't always love doing it, uh, but I, it's feels important to me to do for my own personal, just sense of creativity. Uh, and so I, you know, just kind of keep, <laughs> keep pushing myself to try to make something that learning from what I liked the last time and what I didn't like and just trying to push forward. Um, it's also very personal in that way, I guess. My thanks again to Jessica for making time. You can find out more at jessicarisker.com. Now, before we wrap the episode, I do, of course, have your ear fuel listening assignment. For everybody new to the podcast, each episode, I assign an album for you to listen to in full, beginning to end, without any distractions or interruptions. It stems from the fact that these days, music has been, for the most part, relegated to a background sound. You're at the gym, you're driving, you're walking, whatever it is, and this assignment is about taking time each week to consciously listen to music for the sake of music alone. 
This week, because, well, because it's just one of those completely off-the-radar records that folks really need to know, your listening assignment is from the group Konono Number no. 1. That's K-O-N-O-N-O, Number 1, and it's their 2005 album, Congotronics. Okay, where to begin? Well, you know what, let's start with the fact that there are more than a dozen musicians in this group, and yes, they do hail from the Democratic Republic of Congo. What instruments do they play? Good question. Well, the forefront of their sound is African polyrhythms with melodies coming via the Lykembe. Most popular people know this instrument as the thumb piano. And oh yeah, the musicians here found a way to amplify the Lykembe and has a very cool and a very distinctive sound. Trust me when I say, if you have not heard Konono number one before, you've never heard music quite like this. Maybe my favorite thing about this record is the total DIY nature and feel of it as they took these homemade amplification systems and basically set up in the streets of the capital city, kind of turning their recording session into a street party, almost in the same vein as Jamaican sound system. So yeah, this is basically a very well done field recording and you can hear other people. You can, there's, there's just, there's so much field sound on it. It makes it even better. It adds energy, and it adds personality, it adds images, and you can almost see the streets and the gathered crowds, and it's very cool. From shakers to whistles and the countless drums, this record has grooves. I mean, these groups are deep. D-E-E-E-E-E-P. Deep. You are not going to be able to resist these grooves. But the Lykembe is unquestionably the star of almost every track, and it gives the songs almost like an unusual edge, I think. And when the melodies start to get fast, it's just, it's just, wow. It is, like I said, I know a lot of you are thinking it's a thumb piano. It's, it's like a kid's instrument. It is so not. Once you hear how these musicians are able to manipulate it, it's, uh, you, you have to hear the record. It's, it's really that simple. Now, the other thing is, because there are so many musicians involved, and again, how they actually recorded the record, it's a very full, almost all-encompassing sound and feel, and it's, you know what, I could talk all day about this record, literally, I could talk all day about it, but I, I think this is a record more than almost any other we've discussed over the podcasts here that you have to experience firsthand to properly understand it and appreciate it. I mean, it's really... There's no easy parallel to what they what Konono number one does on Congo Tronics. I can I can tell you there are great rhythms in African drums, and I can tell you that they have an amplified thumb piano on it. But if you don't hear it for yourself, you're not gonna quite get why I think this record is so cool. And really, if you haven't heard Konono number one before, change that right now. Thank me later. So that's all for this week. As always, the podcast is available in all of the podcasting apps and places you might find podcasts, as well as at getyourfuel.com. You can find me on Twitter at, at getyourfuel and at the Daily Guru. You can find me on Instagram at earfuel. I'm it's the internet. I'm going to assume most of you know how to use it these days. So that's it for this edition of Earfuel. Share and enjoy. Uh-huh.